So the story goes like this. So we're part one of, of Know the Name. We're talking about the name of Jesus. Um, we showed a video in the beginning of service. You missed it. There's a statement the guy made. He says, names are pregnant with purpose. Names are pregnant with purpose. There's meaning. There's something deep in the name. There's something very special about a name that is given to somebody. And in this case, this name is Jesus. There's significance. There's potential. In the middle of, of seasons that we go through, sometimes we, we look to people. If I'm going to go enjoy a nice evening, uh, I want a certain person with me. Her name would be Sincerity. I want that one. That, that, that means joy to me. That means a relationship. If I'm going to get in a fight, I want this guy in our church named Shannon to be next to me. Yeah? Or if it snows really bad, I want this guy named Shannon to be here. He, he came early and began to shovel the snow. We have a great team coming here early to get things ready. There's certain people, certain names that, are, that they mean so there's significance to them. There's, there's character, the characteristics that follow that. Well, when the angel comes and visits Mary and Joseph, he shows up to two of them at different times, and this is what he says. He says, you're going to have a son, and I want you to name him Jesus. And at two different times, we're going to read the, the Matthew account. This is the, the Gospel of Matthew. And the angel shows up to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. This is Matthew 1, verse 20. Take Mary home as your wife, because what you conceive in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You're to give him the name Jesus. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So you're going to name him Jesus. And I can imagine Joseph thinking, all right, angel's telling me my wife's pregnant, it's not my kid. That right there is kind of like, well, okay, this is, story just got really weird really fast. My wife's going to have a baby, it's not my baby, but I'll just name him Jesus. And the angel shows up to Mary at a different time and says, you're going to have a son. And he goes to this whole conversation, and Mary says, man, I hope it's true, because I want to see our people liberated. I want to see freedom come. And he says, you're going to name him Jesus. Here's the great thing about Jesus, all right? Jesus is just a common name. We, we see the, the uh, Old Testament character, Joshua, right? So th- that would be one of the names. They would name the, their boys, their baby boys, like this is going to be a hero, it's going to be somebody represents. So he picked a common name. So imagine God of all the universe, all right? He's going to take on a name in, on, on the earth. And he picks a common name. Jose, John, right? We have common names like John. Be something similar. Just take, take it on a common name. But the significance of the name is, is really important. You're going to call him, uh, he'll be known as, as Emmanuel. Um, in Isaiah 7:14, this is, the, this is the, the prophet. This is what he says when, when, when he's predicting, uh, when, he, when he's giving a prophecy about the future. Hundreds of years before Jesus is born, the prophet Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And this is really interesting. He says he's going to give you a sign. When, the angel, when Jesus is born, the angel appears to the shepherds and says, Hey, something spectacular happened. Um, this is what he says to them. He says, there is, um, This will be a sign to you. He tells the shepherds, This is a sign to you. You're going to find a baby that's wrapped up um, in, in, in a manger. It's going to be a sign. It's interesting the angel said sign, and Isaiah hundreds of years ago said, The Lord's going to give you a sign. The virgin will be with the child. And we'll give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so the God of the universe that creates everything, he says, I'm going to, Eugene Peterson in the message translation says it like this, I'm going to move into the neighborhood. I'm going to come in and take on flesh and bones and blood just like you. I'm going to walk among you. I'm going to sweat like you. I'm going to work like you. I'm going to, I'm going to learn and experience things like you. We call this the incarnation. It's God taking on human form, a flesh being a baby, and an all-powerful God coming down to being a baby. And they said, you're going to call Emmanuel God with us, because he's with us. 
And you say you're going to name him Jesus. Here's what Jesus means. Right? Name Jesus means the Lord saves. Or another translation we could say is God sends help. The Lord saves. You're name Jesus. The Lord saves. The Lord God, he sends help. You're going to have a baby, Mary, and you're going to name him God sends help. Can you imagine Mary now saying, all right, this is kind of weird, but if, if, if this is what you can do to help free our people, you're going to send help this way, and I accept it. I want it. And, and Joseph, you can hear Joseph um, saying, um, all right, I, I, I'm gonna, this is kind of weird, and angels showing up because I really wanted to get rid of her and divorce her and, and leave her because it's not my baby. And, and God said, no, Joseph, just, just stay the course. It's not, it's not a, um, an accident. It's going to happen. And God says, you name Jesus. God sends help. It's a great name. Jesus. God sends help. Here's why it's so important. Because at seasons in our lives, many of us are going to find ourselves in, in situations. Check one, two. <laughs> All right, we good? Check, check. We're going to find ourselves in situations where we need help. Maybe you've been in this situation. Maybe it's, sometimes it feels like you're in this constant situation of, I just need help. Like It's like a treadmill. I'm always on this. I can't get off. It's a season. You're stuck in a, in a season of help where you're just think, thinking, is this ever going to improve? Well, the people, when Jesus was born that day, Mary, Mary Joseph's day, they were in that place saying, we need something. We need a liberator. We need help. And he says, hey, you're going to have a son named Jesus. You're going to help. And what's interesting about names is they're really important. They're pregnant with purpose, we said, right? So that they're significant. They mean something. Well, there's a story where, where God shows up. God shows up in some weird places sometimes, right? So he shows up the angel for, for Mary and Joseph. In the Old Testament, he shows up in, in, in a burning bush to Moses. Like Moses in the middle of the desert, and this bush starts burning. And, and Moses thinks like, wow, that's really weird. There's a bush that's burning, but it's not like burning up. It's just it's on fire. And then as he gets closer, there's a voice talks to him out of the bush. He's like, okay, this is really weird now. What's going on here? And God begins to talk to him about saying, I want to use you as my voice to go and liberate people from slavery. And they have this dialogue. They begin talking about it. And Moses is like, you sure? I don't think I'm the right guy. God says, yes, you're the right guy. I want to bring help. I'm going to bring help. And he says, okay, well, when I go talk to the leaders of Israel, the, um, um, what am I, who am I supposed to tell them sent me? Like, what, what is your name? And God says, all right, this is what I want you to tell them. Tell them that my name is I Am. I can imagine Moses thinking, okay, I am. Are you done? Like, where's the rest of the sentence there? He says, I am. That's, that's my name. I am that I am. It's, it's a beautiful picture of God saying, I exist. I think it's the, it's the best example of God trying to um, be able to say, this, this is my case for my existence. Is I just exist. I am. And what I love about the Bibles, they, they don't, there's not a case made for God's existence. It doesn't start off by saying, hey, this is why you should believe in God. You know, let's try to explain this to you. All the writers come from this, this posture of saying, there's a God who created everything, and we're going to write about him. They don't argue for his existence. They just work from the posture that there is an exist, that, that God is, does exist. And when he says, I am, he's saying, I am. I am that I am. Tell the people that the God that exists, the one that is real, is sending you. And he tells them to go forward. Well, in the New Testament, when Jesus comes on the scene, he begins to declare that he is the Son of God. And at one point, they ask him about, um, about being God, and he says, I am. And the religious people, they get, they get so mad, they, they flip out, they want to kill him. In fact, they say they're going to drive him off the cliff and, and kill him, and then Jesus escapes. 
The reason he got so mad because when he says, I am, he's saying, I'm God. And they weren't expecting God to show up the way that he showed up. They thought it was going to be something different. They were waiting for something a little different. And when he shows up, he says, I am. In fact, the book of John, it records these I am statements that Jesus makes. And Jesus, throughout the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's these names that are given to God to help us understand the different attributes of God, the different characteristics of God, his heart for us. And Jesus makes these statements about being God, saying, I am. The first one, John 6.35 says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. His first claim of being God and what it means, what, what he's bringing to earth. You know, and and uh, we celebrate Christmas time. Um, where was Jesus born? Have you tell me where Jesus was born? What was the city? Bethlehem. You know what the, what the name Bethlehem means? Names are important, right? The Bible, they're there, they're for a reason. Bethlehem. What do you guys think that name means? The house of bread. The house of bread. So, a baker's house, right? House of bread. That'd be a baker. Where would be the best place if you're going to be called the bread of life to be born? The baker's house. The house of bread. And Jesus, the bread of life, was born in the house of bread in Bethlehem. He says, I'm the bread of life. John, he, he writes the next one, says, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12, and 9, 5 says, I am the light of the world. I'm here to bring something different. And the light expels the darkness. It brings light. It brings hope. I am the door of the sheep. Like there's a way the sheep can get in. And I am the door. I'm the way to, for the sheep to get in, to be protected, to be safe. I am the good shepherd. I think of Psalms 23, the good shepherd. The, David writes this, this song, this song about God, how good, how good of a shepherd he is that leads people. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You know what the good shepherd looks like? This is, this is who it is. I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. What is he saying? Death is not going to win because I can, I'm going to beat it. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the life. He goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is one of those, those statements that kind of gets us in, in trouble with Christians because it's a, it's a statement that Jesus says, I am the way to God. I am, I am the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm real. Like it, It's going to be proven. The, the thing about truth is it, it always comes out. It always shows itself. I am the truth and I am the life. You want life? I am the life. And the final one, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, which speaks about relationship. It's this invitation of saying, if you really want to produce something, you need to be connected to me because I am I am the vine, you're a branch. I'm I'm the God that gives life. I'm the God that gives gives hope. I'm the God that gives what you need. So I can imagine um, Abraham, Moses standing there. And he's saying, I am. You are what God? I am. What, what do you need? The people of Israel they they need saving. I am Savior. People of Israel need some hope. I am hope. People of Israel need some help in their marriage. I am a good counselor. In fact, one of the things is called a wonderful counselor. And I'm, I am, I'm here for you. I am. And then Jesus makes these statements says, I am these things. And his, his same name applies to us today saying, I am. God sends help. So what is your situation you're in? God says, I am. What are you going through? Your financial struggles? And I'm, I'm help. I'm, I'm provision. And he invites us into this relationship and says, I want to help you on this journey. Because there's going to be seasons that we all get stuck. There's seasons that we go through something. God says, I want to help you to understand something. There's, there's 300 and some t- prophecies. I think it's like 356 prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about Jesus. Okay? Uh, they believe that Jesus fulfilled over 300 of those. I think, I think some fly later on uh, when I talk about him. But over 300 of them were, were filled, fulfilled by Jesus. Well, they, they did some research and they, they asked some mathematicians in different universities to, to, 
um, to figure out what the probability would be of somebody fulfilling that many pro- um, prophecies. Well, the number was too big, so they kind of had to start with just a few, you know. They, they figured one, uh, like, Beth, like a Bethlehem. What would be the, the probability of one person uh, that would be the Messiah born in Bethlehem? They figured about 300,000 people at that, that time, so one in 300,000. And then they went to eight prophecies. They said the eight major prophecies of Jesus. What was the probability that one person could fulfill eight different prophecies in the Old Testament? And this is the number they came up with. Ten to the 17th power. That would be 17 zeros. I don't know what that number is. It's just a really big number. Maybe like you're like me. You kind of need to visualize that, right? Ten to the 17th power. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, um, if we took the state of Texas, all right, and we took... Uh, that number of silver dollars, imagine with me a silver dollar, okay, it's right there, um, and we filled up the state of Texas with this number, it would be two feet deep, full of silver dollars. You, are you with me? Are you tracking with me? All right? Um, and then we would mark that coin, a special coin, maybe mark it red or green, and we'd throw it in the mix of all of those other silver dollars and scramble and mix it up, and we ask a blind person, all right, your job is to walk through the state of Texas and find that one coin on your first try. That is the probability of one person fulfilling all eight prophe- those eight prophecies. Now, when you go to the 300, prof- 300 prophecies that you've fulfilled over those, it goes up even higher. So maybe you're like me and you need some help with this. So um, there's a silver doll. Let's go to the next one. That's, that's the number there. Um, next slide. I recently flew over to the state of Texas. All right? I went to Houston for a wedding, and, and we're flying. I, I looked out, and I took a picture. And I actually thought about I remember. I remember... Um, Hearing this um, statistic and, and um, this information about what, it would, what, what the probability would be if somebody fulfilled this, these prophecies, and I was flying over Texas, I can imagine, man, what would that look like? Just billions and trillions of, of, of silver dollars, two feet deep over the over the, uh, the state of Texas, I'm trying to find that one little one. So I'm that's I'm really high up. That's over the over the city of Houston. So, so maybe you really haven't started imagining how big this is yet, right? Go to the next picture for me. So this is, you can see the state of Texas over here on the right-hand side. That's Houston, the picture you just saw. If you got a little pen and you put a dot, that might be close to what you saw, but probably even too big. Now imagine the whole state. And as we flew, I'd be taking more pictures. Next one. We flew over different parts 100, 100 miles later, a few hundred miles later, another picture. Still, looking for that one coin in the middle of all of that. And he said, that is the probability that one person would be able to fill just eight of the major prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. There's a man, his name is Lee Strobel. His wife became a Christian. He was so angry because he was an atheist. He was mad. And so he said, he took a year, year and a half um, uh, to begin to disprove Christianity. He was a journalist, a great writer, a great you know, researcher. And so he began to dig in and say, I'm going to disprove this because I don't want my wife going down this, this craziness. And, and about a year and a half in, he came to some of this stuff, the probability of one person, the way things, uh, the anthropic principle. You know, if the, the earth was just a slightly further away from the sun, we'd freeze. If it was slightly closer, we'd burn up. All these little principles that he began to find and discover, saying, wow, there's like, there's a sense that like God, that there's, there is a God. And he actually get, ended up giving his life to God and began to follow the very God that he was trying to disprove because all the evidence was actually stacked against him fighting against God. The probability that one person, like a blind man walking through the state of Texas trying to find that one coin in the middle of two feet deep silver dollars. It's not an accident. Some of these mathematicians that did this, they say, the probability is so high that this 
you fulfill these, this is the Son of God. There's no mistaking it. Names are important to God. God says, God sends help. Here's the good, good news, too, for you. You're going to encounter people all around you that need help. You have an answer. I have an answer. I love to be able to tell people about my story. I love to be able to tell people that God has help for them in the middle of whatever they're going through because God still sends help. He still is Emmanuel, God with us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why it's such a big deal because he came down to live with us and die, but then he's still with us. He hasn't given up. He, doesn't, he hasn't abandoned us. You know, the, the gospel message, it's found the first time we find it. We see Jesus in the, in the, in the Genesis and the creation. But the first time we hear the gospel message of, of God sending his son to earth is actually found in Genesis 5. It's found in a genealogy. Names are important. God, every, every, everything that God has written throughout the Bible, it's, it's amazing. Now, here's the, here's the name of the first ten people in the Bible. All right, from Adam to Noah. Um, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lemek, and Noah. So the, the great discovery about the Bible, how it's, it's an amazing book. It's not just a book. It's a book of books. In fact, it's uh, 66 books with over 40 different writers over a span of thousands of years, and they're all writing the story. It's, a, it's an amazing book, and, and it's a message to us. And this message is, is some things are hidden that we, God wants us to discover and dig out and find, um, but, it, but it's evidence that there's a supernatural engineering in every detail of the Bible. There's evidence there. The probability of one guy, that's part of it. But let me, let me give you an example. Names are important. So the gospel message is found in these first ten names. All right? Adam means man. Seth, it means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Kenan means sorrow. Mahalalel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. And Methuselah means his death shall bring. Now, if we put that in the sentence, this is what that sentence would look like. All right? Man is appointed mortal sorrow. That's us. But the blessed God shall come down teaching. And his death shall bring the despairing rest. Man is appointed moral sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching, his name is Jesus, and his death shall bring the despairing rest or comfort. It's not an accident. Everything that God puts in is trying to tell us something. There's a bigger story going on here. There's something larger going on. And he does all this to show us he's real, he's alive, he's active. He's saying, I am that I am. I exist. I always will be. I'm here for you. And what's great about God is he doesn't ignore us. He doesn't um, shun us. He doesn't push us away. He actually embraces us and says, I want to come near to you. The first gospel message that got Jesus coming is found in the first ten names of the Bible. I don't think a whole bunch of rabbis got together and said, hey, let's cock up this really cool thing in the Bible. Let's do this. That is inspiration of God saying, we're going to name these people and they're going to point towards the Savior. His name is Jesus. Acts 4.12 says this, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. There's no other name. The name of Jesus. He wants us to call him Christ, call him Lord, begin to accept him as that and invite him. God, he sends help. His name is Jesus. God sends help. Remember that. Jesus means God sends help. And he was born as a little baby to live like us, to experience what we go through, to feel what we feel, so he can relate. And in the middle of it, he's saying, I have a plan for your life. I want to help you on this. Names are important. 
Next week, we're going to talk about what it, what it means, um, what, a little more about names. I'm excited for it. Next week's going to be a great message, um, kind of the significance of it, um, how God wants to use our names, and even in some cases change our names to help us discover his purpose. But in the middle of this, he's saying there's, there's, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power. And the name of Jesus, it makes some people really mad and really upset. But there's power because it, it represents a God that came down from heaven and moved into the neighborhood to say, I'm going to take up camp with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to live with you. I'm going to live among you. I'm going to help you. And the same God is available for us today. He invites us. So this is, this is my challenge for you guys, all right? So God, he sent help. God still sends help. He's here to help us. Whatever you go through, whatever you face. So my challenge is this. Would you allow him to help you? Would you let him lead? Would you let him be for you whatever it is that you need? What is that you need? Because he says, I'm that. You need comfort? I'm comfort. You need peace? I'm peace. You need joy? I am joy. You need love? I'm love. You need a relationship? And I'm your friend. I am. And just remember, whatever season you go through, whatever you're facing, I am. God, who are you? I am. I'm that. I'm that. I'm Savior. I'm Lord. I'm King. I came as a baby. I am. And I love the fact that God was so vulnerable to say, I want a relationship with you, and I'm going to show you that I mean this by coming down and modeling. You know, Jesus never wrote a single word to give to his disciples. He didn't write this down and say, all right, go teach everybody else these things. He just lived it. He was God embodied a body in flesh, incarnated in the flesh, and said, I'm going to live for you the very words of God. You'll watch, you'll learn, and then you'll go tell others about this. And the disciples, after his death, began to write about it, began to live it out, and began to change the world history. One of the most powerful names in history, Jesus, the Christ. But there's all these names attached to and associated with him. The bread of life. <clears throat> the good shepherd this idea that he's going to lead us so whatever it is that you're facing he's saying I want to be that for you would you let me be that for you it's about relationship in fact Jesus the prayer he taught us called the Lord's Prayer how does it start our Father in Heaven what's that about relationship it's saying I want a relationship I know maybe maybe you hear it and you think well I don't know the guy I don't have a relationship I can't pray to him I can't talk to him because I don't know him that's what Jesus is saying he wants to know you he wants to know you, our Father in Heaven. And the next phrase is what? Hallowed be your name. What is he saying? He's saying run to his name. Recognize that he wants a relationship and then go to his name because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Yahweh. There's power in the name of God Almighty. In the Old Testament, there's all these different names. God our provision. God our provider. God, God our help. God our banner. God our protection. God who heals us. He's the God that provides all these things for us. And he says, run to his name because that's where your answer is. Whenever you face in life, run to his name. And then when you encounter people that have struggles and they're going through difficult times, run to his name so you can help them discover freedom. Run to his name so you can help them discover the plan that he has for their life. Or, you can just wait for things to happen on its own. You can, you can hope that the circumstance will turn itself and, and, and just change. Or you can begin to be proactive and say, God, I want your help in this. Can you imagine this week? All right, get some shopping done, getting all the school done, some finals. Maybe some of you already finished those. 
your work, end of the year coming up pretty soon, all the different papers that could be filed in. Can you imagine this year instead of freaking out and stressing out and ruining your week where you can say, God, man, I need your help. Would you help me? God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you energy this week. I'm going I'm to provide for you wisdom and insight. I'm going to give you some tools to be able to do it better. That's the kind of God we serve that wants to help us in the details and the day-by-day things that we face. His name is Jesus. God sends help. And when you encounter those people that are suffering and are hurting, you have an answer. His name is Jesus. God sends help. God saves. If you're here today, you know I've been talking about the name of Jesus and it's significant to me because my life has been, been reoriented around this person in Jesus. He's brilliant. If you begin to read his words and you begin to practice it, you'll find it's not necessarily easy to, to, to live it out, but there's so much fruit in it. There's so much uh, benefit to it. There's, um, there's something amazing in what he does. And now throughout the Bible, just the scripture is pointing to him over and over saying, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. This is who you have to, to be watching for. This is what you have to be doing. This is the example I'm giving you. My life has been oriented around this person named Jesus. And because of it, my life is better. And there might be some of you today, you come and you think, well, I don't know the person. I don't know God. I, I, it's kind of hard to, to, to reach out because um, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Well, can I tell you the good news is God already did the, the hard work. He took a step towards you. He took a step towards me when he came as a little baby. We celebrated this month. And he, he didn't stop there. He actually sacrificed his life on a cross so we could have life. And he invites us to find life in him. And it starts that way. So maybe today, do me a favor. If you're here, would you close your eyes and bow your head as we kind of close the service? As we close the service today, if you're here today and you might be saying, um, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I, I, I need help. Um, and you're talking about God being help, well, I, I want help. Would you do me a favor and let me lead you in a prayer of just inviting God, saying, God, would you help me? See, the Bible says this, that there's no other name that we can be saved. Salvation comes through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. But it's a choice that we make by faith to accept his payment for us. It's, it's a step of faith that says, God, I'm going to step in your direction towards you because you stepped in my direction years ago. Invites us to take that step towards Him. Today you might be here and you say, I need help, and I, I want God to be in my life. Can I lead you in a prayer? Would you, would you just lift your hand and let me know you're out there saying, I would, I would like to pray this? Awesome. <laughs> Anybody else? See if your hands going up. God, be my help. Be what I need. See, the Bible says that when we confess our sin before God and ask for that forgiveness. He forgives us. He gives us a new start. And He begins to help us on this journey. But part of that is us saying, God, I want you to lead me and we trust into that journey. So I'm leading you to pray if this is God, forgive me. God, I accept you to be my Lord, to be my God. I'm going to follow you. So you that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? If you're a Christian here, would you join us in this prayer to encourage them? Say, Father God, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for sending help. I need help today. Would you help me? Would you forgive me of my sins? Forgive me of my choices. 
that have led me away from you. Today I step back towards you. I invite you into my life. Would you be my God? Would you be my leader? Would you help me today? I believe you died on that cross for me. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me pray with you guys. God, today I, I just know there's people in this room that have, they're going through something, God. They've been stuck in this something, whatever it is, this difficulty, this challenge, this hurt, this pain, this suffering. Lord, I, in the middle of it, God, I know that you want to just tell them that you are. You are I am. You're the healing. You're the help. You're the freedom. You're the comfort. You're the joy. You're the purpose. You're the meaning. You're everything they need, God. I pray right now that those that I just brought stuff with them into this place, God, that today they would be willing to let go of it and offer it to you and, and surrender to you that they can walk out this place free. I pray for freedom, Lord God, from addictions. I pray for freedom, Lord God, in our hearts and our minds today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to come and do something in our lives. Come and help us to be the people you want us to be, God. And we celebrate those lives that have returned to you today that said, God, we want to follow you. We want your help, God. Would you help them? Would you lead us and guide us this week, Father? I pray for each person as they go into this Christmas season with relationships, with friends, with family, God, with busyness, with end of the year. You would just bring a peace, God, and a joy that we would know that you are the God that is present, the God that is with us. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.